with Harry Broad and Tony Asterio. Tony, you left the network feed up. The what? Network feed? I don't know. I'm not watching it. All right, because I'm I'm hearing shenanigans afoot in the U.S. title match. Well, I'm pretty sure Sheamus is going to lose. You would think so. The question is, how does he <laughs> lose? Does Zack Ryder come back for his revenge and cause the I'm sorry, I couldn't finish that set with a straight face. You know what? You tried. <laughs> Which is more than creative is done with Zack Ryder. Aww. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the... I know it. Don't worry, everybody. We'll play Hosty during the commercial break to make it up to him. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the reaction. I'm Harry Broaders. Joining me as per usual with Tony Acero. Tony, how was your weekend, sir? Pretty stellar. Did you get your Batman on for Halloween? I mean, I almost assume you had to. You know, let me just be honest with you. I'll tell you what I told many people Halloween night. I am Batman 364 days out of the year. I need one night where I can be someone else. So, no, I was not Batman for Halloween. I've actually never been Batman for Halloween. I have been the villain um, for about five, six years in a row. Um, Riddler, Joker, Scarecrow... Two-Face, all the costumes made on my own. And they all came out pretty damn good. But no, I have yet to be Batman. I wouldn't want to defile the costume unless it was the real one or as real as I can get. And I'm not rich yet, so we'll get there. We'll get there. You're not rich, bitch. (laughs) Yet. (laughs) (laughs) Key word in that sentence, all right? All right, so we actually had a pretty busy Raw night. Yeah, busy and fun. Ten matches, I believe. Um, some of them weren't as great as others, but that's still a lot of matches for a card. And two major implications to come out of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. We're actually going to get into one of them when we start talking about Raw. But before I do that, I just want to say real quick that the reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with blogtalkradio.com. You are listening live to the reaction. More details on how that's going to work out coming down the road here. Don't worry. We'll keep you abreast of the situation. I said abreast. Hey, Tony. Yes. I'd say let's talk about Raw, but there's no chance in hell. Oh, that's what you got. Ah, you see what I you see what I did there. I did. Let's talk about Raw. Let's do it. And the return of Vincent McVillain, although apparently tonight he was Vincent McBabyface. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, seeing Vince as a face is always kind of screwed with me. You know, it's just unnatural. But why don't you go ahead and give well, everybody the rundown here. I'm going to try to find the results from this Sheamus and Rusev match so I can have it for everybody here on the reaction as well. Um, 
you know, Vince came down and he gave everyone a little bit, hello, how you doing? How, how have you been? Have you missed me? You know, it's funny, you said he was a face, yet his ego was still there. Um, he even mentioned him beating God at one point. Um, he essentially was giving a message, not just to um, the fans, but I think he was talking to us, like, you know, the IWC, the uh, stockholders, everybody. He was basically saying, you know, which had little to do with the show itself, but he was saying how he's beaten the government, he's beaten um, WCW, he's beaten God himself. Like, he's essentially saying, it's all right, guys, I'm not worried, so you shouldn't be worried. And then, of course, this segued into uh, the Survivor Series main event, which now has a stipulation wherein if the authority loses, they lose their power. He didn't say who would take over. He didn't say who would gain the power. He simply said that the authority would be no more. And like you said, this has huge implications on the event, and it made everything just a bit more interesting. We also learned it will be a five-on-five, which we were talking about last week, and we weren't sure if they'd be able to pull that off. Looks like they're going to, so I'm excited. All right, but here's the question here. And this kind of goes into a little bit what we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later with what happened in regards to the main event and the aftermath thereof there. Are you going to be able to pull five credible members for Team Authority? Well, right now they have three, possibly four. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, I'm pretty sure Rusev is going to go ahead and sign on to that, which you know I'm sure we're going to mention eventually. But um, if that's the case, then... Yeah, I think they'll find one more person who's worthy of that well, I'm spot. Definitely going to have and Seth if, Rollins. You're definitely going to have Kane. You're definitely going to have Mark Henry. Because I would imagine the attack on Big Show tonight by Henry probably right to show out for a while. Right. Well, I'm thinking Rusev is going to join the ranks. And I've seen rumblings, not in the uh, wrestling community as much as the comment section, but they're saying that because of the... Um, the importance of the match that Triple H himself might be putting himself into the match. And um, although I didn't consider it, do you think that's a good idea or do you think that's actually going to happen? Um, well, it'll help him work out a little bit of ring rust as he gets ready for his annual WrestleMania match. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the same way that The Rock came back in 2011 to get ready for his match with Cena at WrestleMania 28. Right. She and if the authority does lose, um, Triple H is once again, you know, giving some semblance of a rub to someone. Yeah, but you almost have to know that it's going to be Cena that gets that final fall on Triple H if, if Triple H is in that match. The only way that it would make sense for it to be Triple H in that match is if Roman Reigns returns at Survivor Series and gets the final decisive fall there. Because then you instantly mm. reestablish Reigns as the badass and you start the road to doing the eventual long rumored Roman Reigns Triple H match. Right. Uh, who do you see as the five for Team Cena? Obviously, you're going to have Cena. You're going to have Ziggler. It looks like we might have Orton, although I don't know if tonight was meant to write him off so he can go film the movie. You would assume yeah, Orton, believe, though. Yeah, I believe Orton's going to show up at the show. He's going to be the final fifth member, either that or the Raw before. Because, um, I mean, you can't go into the show. You can go into the show with four. We've seen it happen before, and it had great results. But for whatever reason, I think they... Um, I think they're going to uh, they're going to announce it beforehand. I'm pretty sure Orton's going to be on that side. I don't know how they'll do it. I don't know um, uh, what kind of because you can't just say oh all of a sudden Orton and Cena are friends, you know. But uh, I do believe that that's their eventual plan. Well, the thing is, is Orton and Cena don't have to be friends, and that was one of the things that I was mentioning on the yes thread is that 
If Orton is to turn full on facer, and it looks, given the results of tonight, that he is going to, and we'll get more into this in full detail a little bit later on in the show, as I said. Um, he's going to have to maintain some of the edge that he has as a heel in order for it to work. Right. Because more times than not, when they turn Orton babyface, they, for lack of a better term, cut his balls off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't do that, because the reason why people are so attached to him right now is because of the fact that he's pretty much nuts. Exactly. So it's going to be a case of figuring out what kind of direction you want to take Orton in as a baby face in addition to what actually Orton's going to do as a face after he makes the official turn. Well, I mean, once he comes back from having made his official turn tonight anyways. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you here is, given the 515 main event here, obviously the main event's going to get some time, how many matches are you estimating for Survivor Series? I'm saying oh, six tops. Maybe five, six. The, I mean, I uh, think the we're going to get like a... Those matches go on for quite a while. I mean, usually what is it, like 45 minutes? Um, uh, I mean, the I... Team WWF versus Team Alliance one was about 46 minutes, but most of the actual traditional Survivor Series matches in more recent times have gone closer to about the half an hour mark. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I well, remember. Yeah, that would that would put us at about six. I remember specifically the Team Austin versus Team Bischoff match from 2003, went about 27 minutes. So, oh, well, this one's gonna have a lot I more. I think the names are bigger. Um, and, right. Uh, well, not all of them, but the names for a majority of them are bigger, and and the players are are uh, a little bit fresher um, in terms of what they can pull off. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it's it's unfortunate. We're, I think we're going to get the Ambrose versus Wyatt match at Survivor Series, which it doesn't seem to – well, we'll talk about it later, but it doesn't seem to be taking a next step. It's just kind of you assume certain things and run with it or you don't, and that's not a good thing. Um, and then they're, they're mixing up the tag ranks, which another thing we'll talk about later. Um, I don't fully support, but at the same time, at least we're getting tag teams. Um, so, yeah, six seems like a good number. Well, here's the thing, though. If they're going to do a tag title match of this pay-per-view, it's almost going to have to be a multiple team match because it's a straight single, as a straight two-on-two, Stardust versus Usos. Yeah, it's just TV. No, not, not not the Usos. No, um, as a straight two-on-two tag, start Stardust and Goldust against Los Matadores has absolutely no heat behind it. That crowd was freaking dead for Diego and Fernando. Oh yeah, and I'll, I'm going to mention that later. Like that is. Yeah, that was a horrible decision, and it's just not going to work. But um, there is another tag team that I believe you have full support in, and they're also involved. So, so that that they'll probably be involved in a match at Survivor Series. Ah, yes, the seeds were planted for that on commentary tonight. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that's used as the catalyst going forward for them to break up that team and start the road to them having a one-on-one singles match. But we'll get more into the tag title situation again a little bit later on this evening here on The Reaction. Um, I think with that note, it's time to pop a top. Yes. But before we pop the top, the man popping the tops. Tony 
yeah, my first one is uh, just we're just going to highlight Orton just a little bit more. Um, now, Orton is one of those anomalies where people, when they hate him, they really seem to really hate him. And if you don't hate him, you're just indifferent. Rarely is there someone saying, man, I fucking love Orton. It's either I hate him, he's boring, or he's just kind of there. But Orton has always been one of the more consistent wrestlers in the in the company. And he, like, always has a good to great match. Always. I've never seen a bad match with Randy Orton, at least as far as I can recollect. And, you know, I can't recollect too far anyway. So, um... I, I've always I've always thought that Orton is a, a, a main event player and, and well deserving of his spot. I will admit, however, that his character at times gets really, really dry. His slow methodical promos don't always work for me. His, you know, Viper esque uh methods, if you will, don't work for me either. Um they just seem kind of slow and tedious. I mean, they're as boring as his entrance sometimes, where it just takes too long to get to the point. The last couple of weeks, we've seen a different Randy Orton, although not so different that you're like, well, where does this come from? In fact, you're not saying where did it come from as much as you're saying finally. <laughs> um, and I think that that is a really important and integral part to his face turn going strong and going well. Because the dude, the last two weeks has been fire. Um, the RKO meme thing has really helped him out. But even if you haven't seen those RKO out of nowhere, out of nowhere, you're, you've always been aware that Orton has done RKOs out of nowhere. He always brings something new to the table, even if it's just one minor spot, such as the curb stop turned into a power slam. That was awesome. Um, and he's still as athletic as you'd ever, ever want him to be. I think Orton suffers from that aura where you think that the WWE is forcing him down your throat, thereby you're supposed to not like him. But because Cena's still there, I don't feel that with Orton. I feel that Orton's a in a prime spot to be a main event face player, and I'm really excited about what's coming because of it. Yeah, I think a lot of what has to do with the whole Orton run right now is the fact that we don't feel that he's being constantly forced on our throat to the point that Cena is as a babyface. Orton, is a, mm-hmm. he, as a babyface, once again feels fresh, and in this time he's making subtle changes to the character that he was doing as a heel in order to get off to the face start that he's going to be getting off to. And I think that that right there is going to do a lot to help him going forward as well. Yeah, there's just there's 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 a lot to you see when you look at Randy Orton as a wrestler, you can see a long match with him and it wouldn't be boring. The only thing that Orton does excessively is the damn chin locks that he loves. But you didn't see that much tonight, and you didn't see it last weekend. I haven't seen it in a long time. In fact, Viz is another big-time user of the, the you know, the rest hold that just kind of takes up time and doesn't really do much for me personally. Um, and and just, just for comparison, comparative reasons, let's look at Dean Ambrose when he does a, a rest hold. You know why they're doing this. They're slowing the clock down, they're giving their hearts a little bit of a break, and they're talking. You know why they're doing it. When Ambrose does it, he's holding the nose, he's pulling on the eyes, he's giving you a grimaced face, he's showing you something different. When Miz or Orton does it, they're literally just doing it. And and, and Orton seems to have not removed that, because I'm sure it'll come in the longer matches, um, but he seems to have noticed that that's something that's an issue of his, and he's, you know, maneuvered around it. He's definitely making a more active attempt in order to be able to keep up with the pacing of the matches that they want. And since... 
since we've kind of been talking about it more or less off and on here, we're actually going to go right into the second. Let's talk about Raw Point here, and we'll talk about the main event right now before we go into our first into our first break where we do our plugs and our quick hits. So let's go ahead and talk okay, about so. Raw here pick, to pick up on the same point with Orton here. And I'm referring to the fact that tonight's main event for Monday Night Raw was Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins, as Triple H was trying to clear the air between Orton and Rollins in order to get them on the same page before the Survivor Series pay-per-view. One, I was stunned as all hell that this match had a clean finish. Mm-hmm. And two, I was more stunned by the fact that it had a clean finish that Rollins went over. Because it was yeah. it's long overdue that Rollins gets a clean victory over a main event level talent like Orton. And he does so credibly without any kind of outside interference, like what he had in his earlier match tonight against Dolph Ziggler. Where it was the interference of one Jamie Noble that led to the curb stomp and the three count that would have happened if Orton had not interjected himself. Right. I had been waiting all night to do that Jimmy Noble thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <coughs> I'm sure you have. Your thoughts on the main event uh, tonight? It was a great match. Not only was it like like I mentioned the whole power slam thing, but also just the fact that it was it was pretty strong. And you, you got to give Seth Rollins credit for having two awesome matches on one show, um, like less than an hour apart, give or take. Um, in regards to the whole. Okay, Raw, when it has a overlaying arc, when it has a storyline that goes throughout the entire show, they usually do it in two ways, really, really well or really, really bad. And let me give you an example. The Bella Twins. You never want a show that focuses solely on them, but we've had them. We've had them start with the Bellas and Seth, end with the Bellas, have Bellas in the middle, have Bella segments during the show, and it's really bad. You know why it's really bad? Because nobody gives a fuck. However, tonight... There was a there was a, a tone there was a tonal shift in the show which made Survivor Series a big fucking deal and if you're gonna sell a pay per view that's what you need to do even though it's going to be free if you sign up for the network today but um what I what I mean is sell not as far as monetary gain but sell as in people that are going to watch it or want to see it um before tonight we just knew it was going to be Team Cena versus Team Authority and that's fun and whatnot, and it's always fun to see who makes it, and elimination matches are awesome, but now there's implications. Now there's something at stake. Now there's some reason to watch it, because by and large, people hate the authority. They want to see them lose. They want to see them fail. So when you have that as an opportunity, it's, it's a big deal. And then you turn in, turn that Not, into a story. Wait, before before you continue on with your continuation of the story there, another thing about that that makes it a huge deal, as well as the fact that it's Vince McMahon that threw Triple H and Stephanie under the bus by announcing the stipulation. Right. And there are yeah. many different the ways that they can go with that going forward as well. Right. And they're, and they're going to go that way. They're going to, I mean, like, if they leave, if the authority loses, who's going to run the show? Probably then. I still say this would be the perfect opportunity to bring in GM Sting. But continue. <laughs> yeah, well, um, they, um, yeah, so what I was saying is, is basically that they, they made, Survivor Series is one of those big pay-per-views that should have some big feeling to it. It's hard to explain, but if you're a wrestling fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where it's, you have to watch this pay-per-view. Not, eh, I'll watch it later, I'll watch it tomorrow, I got another show to do, whatever it may be. Like, you're getting that implication that this is a big fucking deal. Like, as a wrestling fan, I have to know what happens that night so that I can talk about it later, so that I'm aware of it, so that I, I'm just 
I'm a fan. I should, you know, you have that pull, that feel. And I think Raw tonight did that, not just because of the, the stipulation for the match, but the show itself kind of felt like a different Raw. It felt like back in the day when they had a story, not just for one person, but for the whole show, which led into sub- something else, which also tied into something else, which also was linked to another story. You know, you saw Triple H watching Rusev and Mark Henry and all that from backstage. So basically, Big Show and Mark Henry have a storyline going, and then Triple H is backstage watching this match, which is deciding whether or not he wants them to be on the Survivor Series team. All of, all of a sudden, that match is more important. All of, all of a sudden, we care about Mark Henry and Big Show because Triple H cares and because we don't want Triple H to have a big guy on his team or whatever it may be. Ryback's return, not that big of a deal. To a lot of people, there was a pop, there was something, but you know that star is going to fade away soon if they don't do anything. Now it matters because Triple H is watching him. And now we're questioning, is Rusev going to, you know, is the big guy going to team with Cena even though they have a horrible history or is he going to side with Triple H? You know, they're going to have a big team of hosses, you know? Um, I just felt like the overall thematic element of the show tonight made it one of the best draws in a while. And that, that ties in really well with the main event because it was the culmination of the entire show. And it gave you a a actual closed feeling of Raw, like this show, this this episode is done, without saying, you don't need to watch next week. In fact, it is the opposite. It said, dude, what the fuck's going to happen now? You know? Absolutely. Um, Real quick, I figured I would let you guys know it is official. It is over by knockout, referee stoppage. Rusev is the U.S. champion. <laughs> so, one of two things happens. Either the Ginger gets his rematch at Survivor Series, or they join their respective teams. I would probably imagine that the latter is the more likely of the two. Right. All right, here's the question for me. If the Authority is going to lose here... And it looks like they probably are, given the fact that the authority really has no reason to be around right now with Daniel Bryan nowhere to be seen and Seth Rollins still holding the contract to a briefcase that can't be cashed in because the champion's only around once every six months anyways. Do you really want to hang Rusev's first loss on him inside of a Survivor Series match? Well, me personally, I think the whole undefeated thing loses its luster somewhere around the second month, um, unless, of course, you're Goldberg. Uh, but even I wasn't even a, a fan of WCW when that was going on, so I only ever heard of it. Um, I don't like squash pushes. I don't like pushes that, that are the way that Rusev is being. Um, there comes a point where he's going to have to lose. And, you know, they're just going to change the verbiage. Instead of saying undefeated, they're going to say never lost in a singles match. And it's still going to have the same effect. So I don't see that they're going to. I don't think that they're going to hurt Rusev by having his team lose. It all depends on who does it and what happens afterwards. You know, Survivor Series in some cases is kind of like the Royal Rumble, where you can stem from that match into more matches. Um, if Cena was the one to pin Rusev, and you want that rumored Cena versus Rusev program, there's your catalyst. You see, I think the only way that makes sense is if Rusev stands tall, though. It eventually picks up that elusive win that most people haven't been able to get against. I mean, if you really want to make Rusev something for the future. Eh, they're not going to do it. And I don't, I mean, 
that's a whole different conversation about Cena and his credibility and how he can make or break stars. Um, let's just say that if they want that program, Survivor Series is a good place to start. Here's another big thing, too. Another big thing for me here is Cena wasn't there tonight, and he wasn't missed at all. Hell no. <laughs> and that was actually a point I was going to bring up, so go ahead. Because I, I, well, you didn't, it's not on the format, so I'm running with it. Yeah. Run with it. <laughs> no, I'm just, it, it just occurs to me that Cena wasn't around tonight at all, and the only real mention of it was the fact that at the very start of the show, they announced that John Cena was not there tonight. And they did the uh, they did the announcement in the arena, letting everybody know that Cena's not at the building, and if you want to leave, you have like 20 minutes. Do you think the fact that Cena wasn't there hurt the heat from the crowd? Because there were certain portions for tonight's show where the crowd was just completely not there. Um, I don't think it hurt. I mean, here's the thing: the entirety of tonight's show was um, okay. You know how when when I say there's there's a match like Fandango versus Adam Rose, and it's a complete waste of time. Like, stuff like that. I dislike, I feel that it's just, why, why is it here? Why is it on my television? It has no semblance of, 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 of anything rather worth watching. What is it doing here, right? Then there's tonight, where you did have a presence of jobbers. You had Zack Ryder on the show. Um, <laughs> you had Tyson Kidd on the show. But who were they facing, and why were they facing them? You know? That's a really important... Uh, also, Titus O'Neil is another, I'd say, kind of jobber. Like, Titus O'Neil was facing Ryback. There was a point to that. You wanted to, you want to continue to build Ryback up. Whether I agree with it or not, that's their plan and that's what they're doing. Um, <clears throat> Tyson Cade was against Sheamus. There was a point to that. You wanted to give, remind people Sheamus is, um, he's, he's kind of a champion right now. And he also, um, you know, has a match coming out later. Uh, granted, he lost. But it's still, what, what I'm saying basically is that the presence of these people that I think don't matter too much had a point. There was a there was a reason for their being there. Um, and, uh, I mean, even Emma, we're not, I'm not going to call Emma a jobber. I'm just saying she's not nowhere near as important as any of the other divas. And there she was being an integral part of a larger story. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I just think tonight was different. Someone else must have had the book or something because it just worked. Yeah, whoever had the book for tonight, let's, let's go ahead and give that to him full time. Yeah. If we could. So, that well, would be okay, greatly appreciated. There it is. That was my point. I was getting to something. Um, okay, so so what you had tonight was you had a literal buildup of people that are in the mid to lower mid card you know, lower mid card. You had Seamus, who should be a big guy but isn't. You had uh Ryback, you had Rusev. All three of those names fought jobbers. Do you know why they fought them? So that they can gain credibility. Do you know why they're getting credibility? Because they need to be pushed up higher on the card. If you do that, if you have members of your roster that people give a shit about, guess what you don't need? John Cena. He's not a necessity. He becomes a bonus. He becomes a an attraction. He becomes something that is really, really cool to see, really, really awesome to be there. But you have tons of other people that you can lay down on and say, hey, thanks for having my back, you know, as a company. But they do what they did tonight for the next – yeah, go ahead. No, I was – Go ahead and finish your thought because it ties into what you're saying. Okay, well, if they were, if they do what they've done tonight for the next few weeks, and not just for Survivor Series, but to gain credibility for wrestlers that didn't have it beforehand, 
then they will no longer have this John Cena problem. They will no longer be losing money on a weekly basis, on a, on a daily basis, really. Um, they will be building new stars. Even if they're not new people, they will be building new stars. They will be giving opportunities that they simply haven't, which, which means that Cena is no longer a requirement. He is an added bonus to the show. And another thing that I was going to say to you about that as well, because you brought up a perfect point there, is with the John Cena not being a requirement thing, it goes back to the conversation we've had before about necessarily a way to ease the wear and tear on some of these guys is to start letting some of them take a couple months during the course of the year in order to relax, recharge, and refresh their batteries. Not having Cena around tonight, and as you said, tonight's show would stand out. It's a chance to let them know that, hey, even if one of your bigger names isn't there for an extended period, two, three, four weeks at a time, in order to give them a chance to rest up, recoup, and give other people a chance to shine in the Monday Night Raw spotlight, it's an okay thing to do. Yeah, I would, I would, I would venture to say that it's welcomed. I would, I would encourage them to alter their planning to, to be able to have a show like tonight where the wrestling, for the most part, was on point. You had a couple of squash matches, but I believe I used to say on the Break to Marco show even that sometimes they're a necessary evil. Not all the time, not five in a row, not three in a row, but sometimes they make sense. And like I said about tonight, every one match that we had that was under three minutes had some point to it. <clears throat> exactly. And actually, this will tell you how loaded tonight's show was. Despite the fact that we still have the full reaction scheduled, we have a crap ton to get to in quick hits. So let's go ahead and do that right now. It's time for quick hits here on the reaction. Bang, 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 bang. Try and stop it. Bang, bang. Here I come. Bang. Greg doesn't use them anymore. We might as well, right? <laughs> All right. Uh, you mentioned most of these matches by name while we were going over what happened during the course of the show. So let's go ahead and get into them into specifics here. Ryback and Titus mm-hmm. O'Neil. Uh, the big thing for me for this match here is, do we see Titus, or not Titus, excuse me, do we see Ryback actually joining up with Team Authority, or is he more likely to be on Team Cena? Uh, I think he's more likely to be on Team Cena. They're prepping him for a uh, babyface, um, you know, push. I just don't know how they're going to do it. I'm not saying it's impossible. Anything is possible with a little bit of creativity and some Mountain Dew. But, um, you know, it's not my job to figure it out. Uh, it's not my job to tell them how to do it, nor are they even listening. So I'll just say that I, I think it's more likely that he'd be on Cena's team than Triple H's team. Um, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I'm completely with you here. I think that it would make far more sense, given the reaction that he's been getting since he came back, for Ryback to stay face for a while, because I think there's money to be made there. Yeah. And if Ryback has the choice, and he's a smart man, and given the given the stories about his sense of humor and his and his demeanor behind the scenes, he's a pretty intelligent guy, despite the fact that he's played kind of an oaf on television. Ryback's smart enough to know there's money to be made in merchants right now. All right, uh, Zach, Zach Ryder and Rusev. I almost said Zach Rusev. He wishes he was Zach Rusev. Might get a point. He really does. <clears throat> um, yeah, this was, what, about a minute? <laughs> um, 
I, I, it was there to let you know that Rusev was going to have a match later tonight. And apparently they talked directly to Putin. Like, he's the one that wants the title. Um, I thought that was hilarious when she's all like, I will have a, you know, conversation with Putin in regards to the Survivor Series main event. Like, okay. <laughs> you guys just skipped the whole maybe and said, yeah, we're talking directly to him. I just thought it was funny. Uh, as far as the Rusev one team authority thing goes, as you said earlier, I do believe it happens. Um, Zack Ryder punished for trying to be involved on Team Cena, but honestly, wouldn't the authority want Zack Ryder on Team Cena given Ryder's track record recently? Right, yeah. So I just, I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, as far as Rusev goes... As far as Rusev goes, what are your thoughts on uh, Rusev winning the U.S. title tonight? I think that he'll do more with it than Sheamus has. Um, I mean, he's a foreigner, he's a heel, yeah, and he has a U.S. championship. I mean, I don't think they'll go so far as to, like, redesign the title, but I'm pretty sure we're going to get some scathing, you know, uh, promos from Lana, which is, I think it's perfect. I don't know. I'm okay with it completely. I honestly see him renaming it the Russian Championship, kind of like Lance Storm did with the U.S. title on WCW when he renamed it the Canadian Championship. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. But either way, it's I, been it's more than excited about. Yeah. It's been more than seven years. It's fair game. Anyways, uh, to me, the biggest disappointment on tonight's show, Big Show Mark Henry. Um, I can't say that it disappointed me because the match was exactly what I expected. I didn't like Big Show's pro- okay. Big Show's promo in a vacuum was really solid. It it showed um, it showed growth. It also gave a reason behind the fight and behind the emotion. However, it just seemed so tacked on. Like when when how long have these guys been friends? You know, like we haven't seen them tag together for that long. And even when they did tag together, it was one match and then they stopped and then they got back together just to break up. Like, that whole eating dinner at the house and being friends forever and all that stuff, eh, didn't buy it, you know, which made me feel like it wasn't that big of a deal. And then the match came. I thought the match was going to be exactly what it was. It was slow. It was plotting. It was kind of, you know, two big dudes getting tossed around. So I wasn't disappointed, mainly because I kind of got what I expected. See, my thing was is I've actually seen them have – relatively above average singles matches in the past before. So I was kind of hoping that they would be able to do something worth putting on Monday Night Raw tonight. And this match is really, really dragging. I think it'll have a lot to do with the fact that the crowd fell out of the match. I thought you were going to say that um, you've seen them at dinner before. I don't know why you're <laughs> like, damn it, Henry. <laughs> man. Uh, can you imagine the buffet owners that have seen them have dinner before? Right. Won't somebody think of the children? Anyways. Yes, I'm a horrible person. I've accepted it. Moving on. Famous and Tyson Kidd. Holy shit, Tyson Kidd's getting something resembling a push. Uh, Yeah, I don't know if it was just a means to an end or if this is the beginning of something that will eventually turn into something else. But I always welcome Tyson Kidd. For a, for a short time, he was my favorite wrestler to watch. Um. I don't remember. I think it was during the NXT um, 
you know, era when I was recapping it. And then shortly thereafter, I, I, every single match he was in, I got excited. I would watch them again on YouTube. Like I thought he was amazing. Um, I won't be watching this one again on YouTube, but to see him <laughs> on Raw and to see him get some semblance of a, you know, notice uh, and a win over Sheamus, that's that's pretty good. Good for him, and I hope they use it to springboard him into something else. One to ten scale for Natty's dress tonight. How fine did Natty um, look tonight? She looked pretty good, and you know what? I'm not really all that attracted to Natty, so she did pretty good. Natty was at least a straight-up eight tonight in that dress. Well, you know my type. I my said type on the... is aging. <laughs> yeah, Natty has a little bit too much on her bones for you. <laughs> but as far as uh, as far as far Natty goes, though, I think Natty's one of those women that is severely underrated in both her ability in the ring as well as her ability to portray a character. Not to mention she's also underrated in terms of looks as well. So I think... Hopefully, especially with them giving Tyson Kidd more of a focus in regards to him getting the push coming out of this, as well as the dick boyfriend angle that they're doing with him, it'll put Natalia more in the spotlight as well and give her a better angle and more of a chance to be focused on going forward, too. Yeah. I mean, if the title if a title change does happen between Nikki and AJ, I can't help but think that Nikki and Natalia will probably be a way that they go for the Divas title, assuming that Nikki takes oh. the title off of AJ. I know, so I know. Bad. Relax. Start start breathing. And ironically enough, as we talk about Nikki, up next I have listed is Nikki and Emma. Um, Yeah, AJ was there, so that was great. No, you know, if I'm being honest, AJ hasn't really done much with the title. The Page versus AJ uh, program that we all thought was going to set the world on fire just kind of left a small burn. <clears throat> I'm not too biased to say that, you know, this wasn't what we expected. I wanted a little bit more, and it seems now that it's a little bit over, at least temporarily. <clears throat> if AJ is going to lose the belt, then I want it to be because she's going on to something different and more intriguing, but I don't believe that the creative team can write more than two female storylines at a time. Um, so I'm hoping that she holds on to it. You know what we need? We need a badass. We need We need someone big. We need karma. <laughs> you know, we need someone that has clout to go in there and just fucking run shit until some underdog takes her down. Because this, is, this isn't working for anybody, I don't think. No one wants to see Nikki with the belt. And if you see Nikki with the belt, you know what's going to happen. Bree's going to be the challenger. Of course. At WrestleMania, it's going to be Nikki versus Bree for the title. Ugh. Yeah, you're, you're telling me. All right, moving on, that tells you how loaded the law was, as well as the reaction itself, is the fact that all of that stuff right. got moved to quick hits tonight. Let's exactly. talk about two things that weren't matches, but are relevant in terms of the grand scheme of things here. Let's first of all talk about Eric Rowan, Creeper Extreme. <laughs> that is yeah. the most personality Eric Rowan has ever shown, ever, period, end of discussion. And I'm referring to his stuff in NXT, his stuff in Japan. I loved it. I thought it was the right kind of creepy. He brushed Renee Young's hair to the side a little bit, and then he just said one word, pretty, and that was it. And it was all kinds of creepy, exactly what you would expect from a weirdo like that. And um, I just, I don't know where the hell it's going, but I want to (laughs) see. 
Uh, I know you don't watch a whole lot of TNA, but for our listeners that do, it kind of gave me flashbacks to the Gunner and Chris, or not the Gunner and Christy Angle, excuse me, the Sam Shaw and Christy Angle. And I'm okay with that. Because Sam Shaw was yeah, one of those totally. guys that you couldn't help. Sam Shaw was one of those guys that you couldn't help but like, even though he was stalking a chick that you liked. Because he was just so perfectly portrayed in that character. And Rowan, and especially if it ends up going further, and Renee ends up having to recruit somebody to defend her, you're telling me that more Renee would be a bad thing? Right. And anyone who says that is so a I, liar. <laughs> yeah, straight up. The best part about it was he says pretty, she says thank you, and walks away. It's bye, Felicia. I'm really happy that she said right. thank you. It's kind of like, kind of like those girls that are like too nice to just deny you right away. Well, not me because I never get denied, but like in general, you know, you see this a lot where you know she's like thanks, <laughs> bye. It was a. Pit- it was her patronizing him, and I think that right there should be part of what leads to an angle going forward where Renee's involved. And I think Renee has the chops to pull it off as well. The only question is, is do they have a do they have a handy backup interview chick? Yeah. Because if well, you make Renee, Renee a full time character, then she has tons of personality, and it'd be great. It'd be great to see it. Um, but yeah, I think that I don't think they're going that far with it. I think they're just trying to reintroduce Rowan, which is fine. But just see him, see him be that creepy, and see it work out the way it did. I'm happy for him. All right. Now you sent me the format here, and then I add quick hits in right as the show ends because I touch on everything that's not mentioned here. Right. And the way that I phrase this inside of my quick hits here is Harper and those goddamn idiot announcers. Okay. So we're, that okay. I wanted to confirm with you those eyes, that promo with the eyes, that was Harper, right? That was for Harper, and the reason you know that it's for Harper is the quote: "I piece myself back together with pieces of you." It is the same line that he used in the release promo with Bray Wyatt. Great, because I, I recognize him by the eyes, but I didn't hear too much of the promo, and I believe that a part of that is because is a, for what you're about to mention right now. The fact that these it's fucking the commentary team gave it, gave it nothing. They gave it nothing. They're like, okay, well, I don't know what the fuck that was. Let's move on. What? Exactly. And that's the problem that I had with that whole situation right there. They're building up Harper to be this huge deal. They did a full-on video package for him for his release from the Wyatt family. And you can't take 35 freaking seconds to watch your own damn product to know that those were the exact words that he used in his release promo with Bray Wyatt. Or, at the very least, give some semblance of intrigue, like, wow, guys, that was really creepy. Or, I don't know, you guys are little bitches anyways. Pretend to be scared. They literally, it, it acted like a like a nuisance, like some kid asked them to buy chocolate and they didn't have cash. Like, literally, like, I don't know what the fuck that was, but let's move on. <laughs> That's the exact problem that I had there, is the fact that you could have done so much more to add to the intrigue level of Harper there. The fact that that promo was as creepy as it was, it was as horrific as it was. It was based as mentally stimulating as it was with the fact that, let's face it here, how many other people do you really see getting that kind of character in a modern PG era? Right. No one. What a modern era. And the announcers could not... 
the announcers could not give two fucks to try to put it over some semblance of special. Mm-hmm. God, that annoyed the hell out of me. <laughs> I could see that, and it did bother me too. Because it was so small, but it could have been something so huge. It could have been something worth, like, oh shit, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could have been the it's coming thing for Bray Wyatt in regards to the Ascension as well. You're going to try to build the Ascension up as huge things in regards to being the new followers in the Wyatt family here. Well, take the time to establish Harper and Rowan. You're doing well with Rowan. We just gave them credit for what they did with Rowan and with Renee tonight. Do the same thing for Harper. As I said, that annoyed me. You know what didn't annoy me? What's that? The promo with Stephanie, Triple H, and Dolph. That didn't annoy me, and that's the focus of Harry's hit. Here it comes up. Here it comes up. That may have been the single smoothest segue in the history of this show. Huh. I'm going to take credit for that. That was freaking awesome. Anyways. So... In regards to what I was saying about Triple H, Stephanie, and Dolph's promo here, you remember all the things we bitched about Cena's promo with Triple H and Stephanie last week? Yep. Dolph's worked on the exact level that Cena didn't. Because you could tell that there was some semblance of believability that Dolph might actually consider taking them up on the offer. Mm-hmm. To still align... The world is yours. And it literally could have been Ziggler's here if he would have accepted the offer from Triple H and Stephanie. But Triple H, or excuse me, Ziggler decided to stand up in the face of the authority, quite literally in this instance, and make his stance known as far as where he stood in regards to the battle lines being drawn in Team Cena versus Team Authority. Two questions here for you, Tony. One, did we see the beginning of Mega Face push Ziggler tonight? Um, no. <laughs> I, I I agree with everything you said. I believe that that promo was great. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with Triple H, which I'll mention a little bit better um, in the future of this show. But in regards to Dolph, he had one line, and he barely delivered it well. It wasn't a bad delivery. It just was, eh. So anyways, that, that's not fair to base him on that one line, but... You have to remember who he's being cited with. And this was kind of actually mentioned by Triple H. Like, you're the buddy of John Cena. So was Zack Ryder. <laughs> so I'm a little worried. Are you worried that Cena's going to overshadow Ziggler, as Triple H pointed out? Yeah, pretty much. Or that Ziggler's just going to get the, uh, you know, the shaft afterwards. Like, what, what, hap- what does happen after if they win? The only thing that can make Ziggler awesome right now is having good to great matches for that belt that he has around his waist. That he had saved by Orton's interference as well. And tonight was a bad night for champions, but we'll get more into that here with what you have planned for the uh, for the last do. There's still a second one to come in between. Excuse me for a second. I felt that one coming and couldn't mute my phone because I have a text message up right now. 
But anyways. All right, how about this then? Let me throw a crazy theory out there for you. Orton's turning face at Survivor Series. What about Ziggler turning heel at Survivor Series and becoming the new face of the authority in addition to Rollins? I think Ziggler as a heel works really, really well. But I also think that now's not the time for that. Um, I think him as a as a face right now can give him some practice because as great as Ziggler is, he he's off and on on that microphone. He's never consistent. And I think that as a face, I think being a face is always going to be harder. And I don't know how many people agree or disagree with this sentiment, but being mean is not hard. Being an asshole is not hard. Being loved by fans, especially fans that are like us, wrestling fans, is difficult. So if he can if he can adapt to be that person, then he could do anything. <clears throat> and that's what I would look forward to the most. Well, the thing is, is he's made the transition so smoothly from heel to face that you would have to think that the transition back to being a heel would be simple for him. I mean, obviously you can't guarantee such an occurrence, but you would think so anyways. Yeah, yeah and you would hope so. I know I would hope so. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, so that way I can fight with my phone, and Tony can catch a quick break as well to go get some actual do. And we'll be right back with more reaction right after this. You're listening to the reaction on Powerhouse Radio in association with blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. Yes, I'm finding the song. Hold on a second, Tony. You ever meet a girl and think to yourself, she's the one. But as time goes on, you realize she ain't nothing but a host. When I met you, girl, it was love at first sight. Your hair looked so good, your dress was so tight. At first I was nervous, so quiet and shy. Wasn't sure if your type was a bro from L.I. I thought we'd be so made, like Bubba and Lime. Thought you'd be my girl, till the end of time. You were my girlfriend for a couple of years. You may- 
follow me on Twitter. You broke my heart twice, okay, I'll admit I'm bitter. Try to read your mind, but the print was too small. But you anything you wanted when we went to the mall. You got multiple personalities and now one soul. Hope the only gift Santa Claus brings you is cold. And even though I think about you every single day, you're not the one who got away, you were the one who walked away. Roses are red and violets are blue. You may have touched me, but I still will. If you're going to use the line you gave my heart a rough rider inside of the song, people are gonna laugh. <laughs> woo woo. Woo. Dude! Look at you. <laughs> um, my second do is focus on of all people, Triple H. Um, I don't know what got into him tonight, but every word out of his mouth was amazing. Um, specifically, I want to say I want to say specifically the uh, the promo with Orton that he had in the back. Um, I don't know, man. There was just some fire in him, and and it made uh, made everything more important, made everything believable, made everything just you needed to watch. You needed to hear what he was going to say because it was a big deal. And I also like the 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 emotional um, draw that he had. It was kind of like he was he was struggling. He was struggling with the Orton thing. He's like, oh, I have to call Orton. If we need a best team, we need to bring him on. Orton comes over and he's like, basically, you know what? And this is what this is what a friend would do. I mean, this is what like from a man perspective, if you want to, you know, go the misogynistic way, like go ahead, go fight. Let this shit out of your system. You and Rollins have been at each other's edge forever. Go fight, but when this is over, we're going to war. Like that's the man. That is that is huge. <laughs> I, I just thought it was great. I thought it was amazing. My only problem with it was is the fact that he basically used those entire words verbatim in regards to the Evolution Shield Wars that happened back in the uh, spring and into the early summer. Nobody remembers that. We're not allowed to remember that. No. What do you? What? Where have you been? No. <laughs> hey, you know what? While I have this time with the dude, can I? Uh, can I? Can I mention also the fact that um, we saw blood tonight, and it Twice. was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in both times it Once added a lot. 
Well, once was cleaned up during the commercial break. Right. If that wasn't a conveniently placed commercial break, I don't know what was. Mm-hmm. No, I think the main of I think the blood in the main event came down specifically off of the because uh, he started bleeding hardly. You could tell almost instantly right as he hit the announce table. Right. And I agree. I think that it. I think that it added a lot to the actual to the actual beatdown itself because it made it get, it gave it a real sense of danger. Yep. Yeah, I um I, I just I really I, I liked it. I'm not saying, you know, we need to bring blood back or anything like that. Nothing like that at all. Simply that some stories using that um really help. I think it has its place even inside of a PG environment. The only thing is is not to oversaturate it to the point that it doesn't mean anything. But yeah, back to Triple H, I really liked his promo work, both in the promo that you were talking about, how he was trying to manipulate Dolph Ziggler, and when he was talking to Orton, and even at the very end of the show when he was um, essentially trying to, you know, struggle with, you know, whether he wants to just, just go ahead and finish it or he wanted to be Orton's, you know, friend. And I think that switch kind of finally flipped on Triple H once he got punched by Orton. Yeah, it was great. As soon as as soon as Orton threw the shot at Triple H in order to try to get the Seth Rollins again, I think that's when Triple H knew that we're going to have to cut ties with this guy, despite the fact that I don't really want to, because I know how dangerous he is. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we actually forgot to do the plugs while we were doing quick hits because we had so many quick hits. So you want to go ahead and get some plugs in here real quick? Yeah, sure. And then you can get into the debacle that is the tag team division right now. Mm-hmm. All right. As mentioned, the reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. Myself, Harry Broadhurst, and Tony Acero, brought to you by Jason Aletto of PWP. In addition, you can find me, as I am the play-by-play voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling, as well as the Jack of All Trades at Black Diamond Wrestling, as well as there's talks that might happen. I'm thinking about possibly starting to do a raw report, but not the 411 one, because honestly, well, of course. I did that for I did that for a month and a half for Greg at Smash, and it drove me crazy. <laughs> but I might be starting to do a, a version of the raw a raw recap of my own as well. But and then in addition to that, uh, you can also find both of us, myself and Tony, on the Yes, Yes, Yes Facebook group. And actually, there's a really good discussion going on right now, Tony. I don't know if you've seen it or not. The Dean Ambrose picture that got posted and then the discussion that followed? Uh, I haven't. I saw the original post. I haven't read the comments. It, it's led to some very deep and some very well-thought-out comments here. I'm really proud of how that thread's turning out. So, again, go ahead and check out Yes in order to get that in order to scoop that out. And Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what you're doing over at 411 Mania? Uh, I do the weekly Raw report. Um, it's about 10% review, nope. 99% bullshit. Um, I know that that's 101%, but 109%, but still, uh, uh, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, no one ever claimed math was your strong point. You know, not right now. Um, <laughs> no, um, you know, for a three-hour show, it's, that could get pretty tedious, but the comments are really fun. Ten, shows like tonight really help the fact that I'm, you know, doing it. And um, I'm not, you know, I'm not humble, so I will tell you it's a lot of fun to read as well. 
especially when I make little mistakes like Dean Ambrose comes down to the ramp to shake Dean Ambrose's hand. <laughs> Vince McAmbrose. He's Dean's father, too, not just Hornswoggle. <laughs> Crap, I just gave them an idea. Well, that's the next six months of storylines ruined. My bad, everybody. Um, in addition, if the hour and a half length that is the raw reaction... Wow, I just called it the raw reaction. It's the first time I've done that in like three weeks. If the hour and a half that is the reaction isn't enough for you, uh, don't forget you can still catch us on... You can catch me tonight on Wrestling to the Max podcast as well, joining um, Sean Garmer and Gary Jovon sitting in for Paul Bryan Leeser, who... On behalf of myself and Tony, I'd like to wish a speedy recovery after having surgery from a car crash that he was in on his way to the on his way to the Hell in the Cell event in Dallas. So, on behalf of Tony oh, and myself, man, I'd like to sucks. send out wishes for i like to send out wishes for a speedy recovery for uh, for Paul. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick break here from the talk of the show. Here, we got a call, and I can tell just by the area code who it is. <clears throat> John, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, I can hear you. You're live on the reaction, dude. Well, well, thanks for having me. For the first time, I I don't know what to say. I'm very shocked. I'm very shocked that they gave Rusev the United States title. I mean, here you have a pro-Russia guy, a Russia guy, that is anti-American, and here we have him on WWE Network facing a guy who's not U.S., but Irish. He's a U- he's the U.S. champion in Sheamus, and then you have Rusev win the title over, over Sheamus on the WWE Network. That, by far, man, is the blackest day in WWE history. I seem to remember a pay-per-view where a guy was at home killing his wife. (laughs) There is also that necrophilia angle. Actual death is ahead of fake death, Tony. Oh, okay. Can I get... Can I uh, get Honestly, at I think least get what? I will touch. On, I will touch on your point here, John. Actually, I think putting the U.S. title on Rusev actually does the belt some good. And the reason I say that is the fact that since he's come into the WWE, Rusev has been basically untouchable. And if there's any kind of a thing that we've been establishing here on the reaction over the last couple of weeks, it's that these undercard titles need to be given some sense of importance. And having an undefeated guy like Rusev not... wanting to go after and then actually winning the U.S. title does nothing but help the prestige of the belt itself. I mean, I'm not blasting Rusev here, but but I know this is storyline-wise, and you know having a having a and you know having Rusev come in the WWE as strong as he is seven months into his debut, and no one's been able to touch him. No man has been able to touch Rusev. Everyone like Swagger, Henry, Joe, and now Seamus. I mean, look at these guys. 
they are four former world champions, and they couldn't even touch an undefeated Rusev. And now, I mean, come on. You get this match, you give a match away on WWE Network for free so that everyone in their computers and everyone on their laptops can see it. And that's that's what's that's that's my uh, main point. I mean, why couldn't they have this match on TV? Why couldn't they have this match at Survivor Series? Uh, the reason they didn't have this match on TV is because of the free trial for the network, and they want to do everything that they can to encourage people to sign up. Now, using a U.S. title match as a reason for people to sign up, that I don't know about, but that's the reason that they did it. I, uh, um, my next I can point give you a couple... Is, uh, my next point is uh, the authority. Hello? Oh. Yeah, we Go ahead. My next point is the authority. I mean... Vince McMahon has said that if Team of 40 loses, they, they're gone. And I'm glad we're going to get to see it because I've been waiting for this since 2000, since, uh, since Daniel Bryan got screwed out of the WWE title by Triple H. Ever since August, there's been 2013, it seems like the 40 likes to push their weight around. And don't forget, you have guys that are looking to to tame the authority. I mean, you have John Cena on the first right. You have John Cena. You have Dolph Ziggler. And I know Cena and Ziggler are partners, but, boy, is Team of 40 stacked. Is the team really stacked for Survivor Series? I mean, you saw Stephanie talking with Lana and Rusev, and now we know Kane's going to be a member of that team as well. So, there's definitely going to have to be some sure fire in this elimination match because it's two, it's three weeks away and Team Cena and Team of 40 are definitely running out, running out of teams. So, they need to find, they need to find some, some guys quick and fast. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about hitting Cena up, seeing if maybe I could join his team. I think I can really help out a lot. <laughs> if I joined Team Cena, I would have been tr- – if I joined Team Cena <laughs> – nah, I wouldn't join <laughs> Team Cena. But but anyway, here's my here's, – here's my picks for a team of 40. You can, have, you can line up Seth Rollins. You can line up Kane. You can line up Rusev, Mark Henry, and and somehow somehow you can I can't think I can't think of no one just yet. I hold on, it'll get to me. Hold on, hold on. Um, I know actually, we're brand new. Uh, it's not. Uh, if you don't mind, John, we're we're running up against the timing tonight. So if you want to, oh, we can okay, continue okay. the discussion next week. Okay. And what we'll do you. is we'll have you on. Er- we'll have you on early next week, and we can you can fill out the uh, both teams there, assuming we don't have full teams mentioned going forward come next week. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks. Man. All right. Have a good night. Um, 
As you said earlier in the show, Tony, I think it's almost a given that Triple H is going to be the fifth guy here, especially with you, when you consider the fact that as much as on the line for Triple H and Stephanie is, is. Yeah. Um. All right, as I was saying, don't forget, I will be guest hosting in with uh, with Sean and Gary tonight, filling in for Paul. As I said, we wish him nothing but the best and his recovery as well. And on and that will wrap us up for I'm I'm all thrown off my game now, Tony. I was having a great <laughs> show and now I'm all fucking <laughs> flustered over here. Um let's talk about Raw, shall we? Yes. And one of the things that I was originally going to touch on in the uh quick hit section here, but I saw that you had it listed on the let's talk about Raw here. You have it listed as Cesaro Ambrose White, so I'll go ahead and let you explain what you mean by that, because honestly, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> well, I mean, that's basically, I wanted to mention all of them in one um, um, one little spot, as opposed, and I, I didn't want to say Wyatt Ambrose, because A, we talked about that last week, and B, that would cut Cesaro out, and um, just kind of the scuttlebutt around is how he's getting in trouble for saying that he doesn't want to see Cena and Orton again, and then there's rumors saying that he's not getting in trouble for that. And then there's this match where he, you know, I loved the match. I thought it was pretty damn good. Um, I'm not big on rumors. I'm not big on saying this person's in trouble, this person's not in trouble. I really don't care. Just show the product, make it good, and I'll be all right. Um, so the I don't know. what I, I don't have trouble with Ambrose versus Wyatt. I'm intrigued, and I want to see it. But if you're going to do what you did tonight, that doesn't do much for me. Um, these guys are crazy, and I think one of the things that a lot of people are looking for is the the promos and the 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 fact that these two can really like bounce off of each other. I mean, where is the re- we we've heard Wyatt talk about how he knows Ambrose and he knows this and he wants to do that. We get it, but a little bit more, a little bit more reasoning because one of the biggest complaints about Wyatt is that he simply um, he's hollow. You know, he speaks a lot but doesn't say anything. And I love Wyatt. I really do. So if they just add a little bit more to each one of his programs, it would be something worth watching. And right now, I just, that whole thing on Raw, it was small, but it just, I don't know. I, I wanted more. Um, I mean, the matches between Ambrose and Cesaro have been fun, but as you said, they're, they're doing the limited physical contact thing, and that worked when you had the six men and they were able to go back and forth the way that they were. But in a one-on-one setup here, with if you're just going to have Wyatt sitting on the stage, creeper stalking Dean Ambrose, it's not going to do anything to make people want to see the match. Now, if you have them in the ring on, say, like an episode of Miss TV, where the where whoever's in charge says that they cannot have any kind of physical contact, then that right there will allow the face-to-face intensity in the promos, and that right there will make people want to see the match. But if the distance right here, and especially with them playing the light tricks with the editing and how Wyatt came onto the stage during the editing and then disappeared during the second burst of the editing, that's not going to make anybody want to see it. It's just smoke and mirrors to try to extend it out. Yeah, especially when the the lights go out for a good, like, I think I counted five seconds. That's a long time. You know? (laughs) And then you come back and Ambrose is all, where did he go? Like, come on. I do like that Ambrose at the very end of that kind of made a face like I'm not. But if he does that, if he does that a little bit more, then I think it'd be a lot better. Yeah, I think we have to have Ambrose be the guy that Wyatt cannot get inside of the head of because Ambrose is already crazy. Exactly, exactly. 
And that's a way to go with this here, especially with the rhetoric that Bray has been spewing in the limited promo time that he had on Raw last week in addition to the promo that he had on SmackDown, which was actually pretty good. It was basically establishing more of the same in regards to why he feels that Dean Ambrose is a threat to him and the fact that they are kindred spirits. Mm -hmm. It's just that their view on how things are going to get done differ, and it threatens Wyatt's way of life, and that makes sense. Uh, Hold on one second, Tony. It's time for that third do. All right. I hit the button. It didn't play. Hold on. Okay. So while I'm always going to support tag team wrestling and love when it's on our television, there also has to be some semblance of believability in regards to the matches that are at play. Um, it seems to me that there's four teams they're trying to focus on right now. Um, like, they're they're going on, we're doing Miz and Sandow, the Usos, Goldust and Stardust, and now, seemingly out of nowhere, um, Los Matadors, who, to me, personally, have not done anything since the beginning of their little foray into the tag team wrestling as these Cuban-covered Spaniards. Um, <laughs> especially when they got El Torito running around, who I just see no, you know, really, I think they've had one good match that you liked, which was the little mini TLC thing. Um, no, I just, I, I don't understand. I, I get why they're doing it. They want more tag teams. And it's kind of hard to talk shit about them when we ask for more tag teams. But to believe that, you know, they can actually go toe-to-toe with any of the aforementioned teams is just really kind of nonsensical, you know? And, yeah, I should be saying, well, let them get uh, more credibility, blah, blah, blah. But I just don't see them gaining any traction, and you said it yourself, the crowd was just simply not into it. Yeah, that entire bit there with Los Matadores kind of killed the crowd, and I think it's been kind of a recurring thing for them in the fact that anytime they've been on TV lately, and even on SmackDown there, there was no heat behind the match whatsoever. So, I'm worried that if they do try to do anything with them, if they do try to do anything going forward with Los Matadors, they're already considered too much of a joke that nobody's going to get behind them in order for them to have any kind of credibility in regards to the tag team division. Uh, Miz and Mizdow would be interesting as tag team champions, I think, especially if you use this as a catalyst to go forward once they drop the titles. But at the same time, we've been kind of expecting that storyline and that form to go on with Golden Stardust as well. So you kind of have to pick your battles there. And I would much rather see them use use that format for Golden Stardust in order to get them going on the road to WrestleMania 31 rather than Miz and Mizdow. Mm. Um, and then the Usos. I think the Usos need a break away from the tie title scene for a while. Yeah, they really do. I just... And they're starting to get to the point of oversaturation, and that's not something that you want to do with a tag team, and especially not when there are as minimal tag teams as there are right now. Right. So I think they need to take a break away from the main event scene and then have them come back around to it right around the time of WrestleMania itself. And even if it's a startup tag team or somebody like the Ascension having the tag titles, then start to build the uses up into having a challenge with them because... Right now, I don't think the tag titles will do anything to help the Usos, and if anything, it might do more to hurt them. Right. (sighs) 
some of the phone calls we get on this show, Tony. <laughs> I won't go into specifics, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Shut your fucking mouth, I'm talking. Yeah. There's a reason it didn't make air. <laughs> <clears throat> Anyways. Hey, Tony. Yeah. It's time for your favorite sound effect. Oh, okay, let's do it. Hold on, I have to get to it. Ah, this takes too long. This list really needs to be shortened. So many sound effects, so little time. You have a vagina! Not what you were expecting, huh? But I love it. <laughs> the still wrong on many levels. It is the final take. Okay, I'm back. Sorry, had a moment. Europe gets stuck in your head after a while. Story, bro. You're an '80s kid. You speak. You speak completely of this. You've got a couple <laughs> yeah. years on me, so you, you were probably. Uh, yeah, I would imagine you were probably what early teens when that song came out. Maybe not quite that old. Yeah, I think I don't remember. I was a sheltered child. The song I didn't was in the music. Totally kidding. Song uh, was. <laughs> Song was like I want to say mid eighties. That sounds right to me. I mean, I'd have to look it up specifically on Wikipedia to find out. So let's actually go ahead and get into that. And I'll actually do just that. <laughs> uh your favorite part about tonight's show, Tony? Um, you know what? Every time you ask that question, I tell myself you really should have thought about this. Um, <laughs> I want to give it to. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it to the, the Dolphin-Seth match. If not that, then just the overall theme of the show, I really enjoyed, and I wish they would do some stuff like that a little bit more. Um, just carrying over from the beginning to the middle to the end and making everything seem more important. I really like that they made everyone seem like a big deal. Everyone had a role, and if they didn't have a role, they had some significance to someone else's role. So let's just say that they I'll give the show itself you know, my favorite part, I guess which is kind of a cop-out, but I'm doing it. Well, you can specifically narrow that down to the overarching angle of the show. Yeah, yeah. All right, your least favorite part of tonight's show. Um, I'm going to have to go with Nikki, Bella, and Bree. I, I, you know, and, and that's not even... All right, your overall grade for tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw and why? I'm going to go ahead and give it an A-. minus. Um... The minus only because there was a lot of squash matches. There were about three or four matches that were under three minutes. Um, there were a few repetitious moments. There was a lot of in-the-corner work. And I, I'm pretty sure when you're in the ring, you're not watching the match before yours to say, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. You know, these guys are practitioners in the ring, and they're focused on their match. So I can't give them too much, you know, um, I can't – rag on them too much for doing that, but when you're watching a show for three hours and you're actually typing out what everything happens, you see a lot of the little things that get kind of repetitive, so um, 
that's probably the only reason why I would give it an A minus. Other than that, I thought it was a great show. It made me excited to be a fan again and, and excited for the pay per view too. All right, are you ready for mine here? Because I can run these down yes. real quick. I, have, I already have all of them thought out. All right, my favorite moment of the night is the main event beatdown on Orton. Because not only did you have a very realistic-looking beatdown, not only did you have Joey Mercury taking a man bump on the floor with that RKO, but in addition to having the blood that added to it, it actually looked vicious enough like Seth Rollins wanted Randy Orton's head on a platter. There was genuine heat between those two going in there, and there was genuine desire in Rollins in order to take out Orton once and for all tonight. Obviously, he's not going to completely accomplish that goal tonight, but damn, that curve stomp on those ring steps looked good. Mm-hmm. My least favorite moment of tonight's show, Big Show and Henry. And the reason I say Big okay. Show and Henry is like, as I've said, as I've said before... I've seen them have good above good. I wouldn't say great singles matches, but good for big men matches. Right. Even, even against each other before, when the hall, when the Hall of Pain was first opening, the match at Payback or excuse me at Money in the Bank in 2011 was more than serviceable for what it needed to be. Tonight was a match that was about five or six minutes too long for the point that it needed to be to reestablish Mark Henry as a dominant heel, especially for a BSDQ ending. Mm-hmm. Tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw gets an A. I'm not going to do an A-plus or anything because I, I think you have to save those moments that have ultra-long-term lasting effects, and I don't know if anything had that tonight. Although you might have seen the start of the actual main event rise of Seth Rollins with him getting to stand tall, laying a beat down after cleanly defeating Randy Orton. But as you said earlier in the show tonight, everything made sense. Everything happened for a reason. Nothing, even the Squatch match is tied into the overarching picture of the big show tonight. And that right there is something that, as a wrestling fan, and as a guy who does a lot of fantasy booking himself, I can appreciate the amount of effort that was put into doing. Mm-hmm. I didn't stumble not once during that. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> Nicely done. I had a pretty good night tonight, actually. I mean, other than right after when John called, I... Got a little flustered there, but <laughs> other than that, you know. Yeah, pretty good show. Uh, anything you want to touch on before we get out of here? Not really. I'm talking. Shut your... No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got nothing else to add then? Nope. All right. For t- 411 Mania's Tony Acero. Um, any more updates about the book? Like, have you get, gotten any kind of an estimate as to when to expect it in 2015, or just that it's going to be published in 2015? Yeah, just that it's coming out. I, I did speak at a college last uh, week ago or so, and um, I was very excited about it. It was it was actually really cool. Um, people asked questions. They cared yeah. what I thought. It was really weird. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the uh, I saw you post the flyer from the event on your page, and I thought that was really cool as well. I was really happy to yeah. to say that hey, yeah, it's a, a chance flyer. to go back to where <laughs> you it's a chance to go back to where you got your where you got your roots at back at the uh, community college before you finished up at uh, Cal Long Beach. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really nice. 
Um, the professors were awesome, and a lot of people were interested in what I had to say. They made me feel like I was a credible source of information for them, and um, I would willingly go back anytime. Sounds like a plan. Um, for Formal Mania's Tony Acero, I'm Harry Broderick. You've been listening to the reaction here on Powerhouse Radio. Again, if you've not heard enough of my dulcet tones for the evening, feel <laughs> free to listen to wrestling. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't stop laughing there. Feel free to listen to wrestling to the max as I fill in once again for Paul Bryan Leaser. Uh, me, Gary Gilbon, and Sean Garmer have you covered on Wrestling to the Max. And we actually will talk Lucha Underground on Wrestling to the Max tonight, too. Did you get a chance to watch that? No. Check out more. Check out Johnny Mundo, a.k.a. John Morrison, and uh, Prince Puma, Ricochet. Really good. Okay, will do. Just give me a heads up. And anybody out there that might not have caught the debut of Lucha Underground, check on YouTube for... Uh, Morrison and Ricochet. It was a really good match and definitely the kind of match that will build a fan base for a company, even if the rest of the show was mostly hot garbage. Anyways, he's Tony. I'm Harry. You've been listening to The Reaction on Powerhouse Radio. We'll see you next Monday, November the 10th, live on Powerhouse Radio's The Reaction. Have a good night, everybody. We'll see you next Monday. Deuces, bitches. Again, Thursday night for the Thursday Night Destruction with Dave Stracchio on Powerhouse Radio.